You're listening to The LaunchCast, the podcast about leadership, business, life, and growth with me, your host, George Andriopoulos. It's like food for your ears. Time to pay some bills. Who's next, Fabrizio? Ladder? Yeah, hit that gym music, buddy. Yeah, it's good. This episode is sponsored by Ladder. Ladder was founded by LeBron James, the man himself, and Arnold Schwarzenegger to change the way that supplements are made. They worked with the top scientists to formulate a line of clean performance products, and unlike other supplements, every single batch is tested by a third party to verify the highest standards for quality and safety. Now, even before they approached me about a sponsorship, I used Ladder. I'm in the middle of a fast right now, and I wanted to make sure that I was getting all of my vitamins daily, and I started drinking their superfood green drink, and it is incredible. You have to try it. Hopefully, I can ball like LBJ after this is done, too. Ladder's goal is to help you unlock your best in any situation. Right now, that means access to special offers and expert advice from their community. Use code BETTEREVERYDAY for 30% off of everything site-wide at ladder.sport. That's better every day for 30% off at ladder.sport. Drink up, guys. At this time, I'm going to ask that you fasten your seatbelts. Launch sequence. Launch sequence activated. Launch sequence activated. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to the LaunchCast. The storm is coming, but I'm prepared. Episode 123, and I still got goosebumps under here. Woo! We are back in the studio, even if it's temporary. We are here today with my guest, a very special guest. But first, it is... The Launch Dad himself, George Andriopoulos, bringing you your favorite podcast on the planet right now in the studio as the beat drops. Into the black hole. Man, it is good to hear that again in the studio. You know, I got to say, I have been in the home studio now for weeks and weeks doing this on another board with another set of microphones, another set of cameras, and I I forgot how it works in here, in the studio. I completely forgot how it works here in the studio, but I'm getting the hang of it. This is like take four, but I'm doing it. We're back here today. It is episode 123. This is a very special episode for me because I have my good friend on the show today, and before I bring him up on screen, uh, I want to talk about how important it is for me to come back today with live interviews. I know that we've been talking about this for the last few weeks, guys. We are talking about how, you know, in this situation, of course, I don't want to risk anybody's safety bringing people into the studio. I won't do that. And so I also don't want to risk the quality of the show at the same time. And I love having guests in studio. And I promise that we will have today's guest back in the studio one day. But I thought it was too important to continue with 
the live interviews on this show. Continue with bringing leaders on here who could help bring leadership to the forefront, who could help us understand their unconventional journeys a little bit better. And so that is why I have with me today, let me bring him up on screen. Look at that guy. Look at him. My friend, Mr. Fred P. Benny Third. What's happening, brother? I'm doing great, brother. Great to be here with you, man. This is awesome. Yeah, man. We're, I'm so excited to have you on the show today. You know, you were on my list not only as a, as a guest from before I actually launched the show. You know, you and I talked about this a little bit, but I had my list of potential rolling co-hosts as well because when I first started the show, it was designed where I would have a new co-host on every week. And so not only were you you know, supposed to be here as, as a guest, but I wanted your knowledge, your leadership as a, as a co-host as well. You know, that was very important to me. And so uh, I'm glad I at least have you here as a guest today. And I know we have a lot to talk about, so I want to jump into it. So again, thank you, my friend, for being here. Oh, I'm glad to be here. And as far as the co-host post-pandemic, we could make something happen. That would be cool. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. Oh, absolutely, man. The guys, let me give you the bio on my friend, Fred Banny here. So Fred P. Banny III, he is a husband, a social entrepreneur, TEDx speaker, TEDx curation team member, leadership coach, and mentor whose passion is to activate people to purpose. He has dedicated his life to traveling, teaching leaders in business, education, and faith. Fred often addresses the critical issues that affect every aspect of development, professional, personal leadership, social, and spiritual development. To that end, Fred Fred founded Conversations with Kings, an initiative dedicated to developing boys into men and men into leaders of impact and influence. With unwavering belief that in the right environment, anyone can activate the leader within. Fred creates safe spaces and supportive environments where men can be vulnerable and equipped with proven life principles, perspectives, and resources. He is also an ordained minister and lives on Long Island, New York, with his beautiful wife and purpose partner, Cordelia. That is a mouthful. And I, I see you have the CWK sweatshirt on today too, brother. Oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Man, absolutely. And the, the best part of that entire bio was the last sentence you read. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you know the best part of you is Cordelia. <laughs> absolutely. She makes me better. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's funny. It's funny. We were just talking about before we went on the air here uh, about our, our COVID haircuts. <laughs> Yeah. Fred was talking about how my fade looks uh, tight today, and I've learned how to give myself a haircut. But I actually was telling my wife earlier that when I was originally going to do this in my home studio, I was actually going to wear a shirt and tie with a sweater because you always come fully dressed to the nines, my man. You are the best dressed individual I've ever met. <laughs> I appreciate that, brother. And I'm telling you, this is the first time since this pandemic that I'm on camera. Yeah. And I'm Sure, yeah, it was gonna be shocking, you know, like you said, <laughs> but you know, yeah, but you're still looking good, you know that. <laughs> I appreciate it, and plus, you know, conversational kings I have to represent, so that's right, that's right. We're gonna get into that in a little while. Uh, Fred, I'm gonna start this the way we start every single interview on this show with the main question that we're here to answer Fred, are you a leader? Absolutely. Talk to me about that. What is your definition of a leader? Well, for me, leadership is really influence, right? Uh, oftentimes people think about leader. I, I guess the misinformation will be someone who gives direction or, or try to boss people around. But 
leadership is really about helping people see further than they can on their own and just lifting that lid. You know, John Maxwell talks about leadership is influence, you know, and that's what it comes pretty much comes down to. And as far as like my philosophy about leadership, I believe everybody was born to lead. Everybody's born with it, you know, with the leadership potential. However, it's just like a seed. That seed has to be cultivated. It has to be developed. And, you know, that's something I'm passionate about and that I have made that my life's work. So really impacting people and influencing them just to become better, to aim higher, to, you know. I think I think the the topic of influence within leadership is so important. And I know that's one of the reasons that you and I have both you know, form this brotherhood together because we, that's something that we strongly agree on together. We've talked about our journeys to leadership, how we got here. And of course, we'll talk about later on how, how you and I met and, you know, and became brothers uh, in this world. Um, there's a, a, a great quote when I was watching one of your videos. You know my research on this show, my man. You know, yeah. I dig deep. Well, impeccable. And I was watching one of your talks that I was actually at and I, I remember being so enamored by this talk. This was, I think, the one that you did at Hofstra. Yes, I remember. I remember being so enamored by this talk because it was one of the first times that I saw you really free flow in your in your speaking. You know, we all have, as, as public speakers, Fred and I are both public speakers, and we all have our speaking styles. And I, I get really enamored when somebody has the ability to be really rhythmic, um, and almost lyrical to to a degree when they're speaking. One of our speakers at TEDx Farmingdale uh, had that gift. Corey James was he was unbelievable. It was almost like a like a like a preacher's uh, tone, right? That he had to him. And so with you, you would take the most simple notion and then say it and then turn it around on us. And I thought it was a big impact because you were specifically that day talking about black excellence right you were you were speaking to what was the group again that day it was the uh, black student student union of Hofstra. right yeah, that brought me in to uh speak about black excellence to sell they were celebrating blacks or black history month yeah correct right uh and so here's the line that i loved from this and again the one of the ones that i didn't catch the first time around but on video it's a sin to be good when you've been called to be great. Yes. It's a sin to be good when you have called, been called to be great. Does that sum up what you're about, Fred? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and like I mentioned at the top of this, I said that we've all born, you know, with the potential to lead. I think, you know, our creator doesn't make mistakes and everything that he makes, he inputs within it success. So, and that's a success. It's your gift. That's your greatness. And anything, anything subpar of that is good. And that's what it's, it's a sin to be good when you've been called to be great. We all have been called to be great in certain capacity, in certain areas of our lives. We have been uniquely gifted. And our life's purpose is to, is to discover that unique gift about ourselves, develop it, and then employ it, de deploy it to see how we can better serve humanity. So that's what it's about. Excellence is the standard, right? It's not an exception. So you don't settle for mediocrity. You know, talks about to whom much is given, much is required. 
So it's all about your live. If you have been gifted, which I believe we all have been gifted to be great. So now we have to do the work to extract every ounce of potential that we have within us. I think why that spoke to me a lot is it's it's been a theme in my life since my transformation years ago. You know, you know, you know my story a little bit, and and I've talked about this on the show uh, a million times. But I remember one time specifically when I was giving a very important talk. It was my high school uh, Hall of Fame acceptance speech, and I said something to the effect of. For the first 30 years of my life, I was an average citizen of this planet at best. And I knew that I had it in me to be much more than that. And looking back, you know, when I created that change within myself, when I decided that I needed to be impactful with my leadership, that's really the theme. You know, it's a sin to be good when you've been called to be great. And we'll talk about later how you have used really that phrase um, within your work with conversations with kings, with being a mentor to others, you know, in order to create other leaders. But first, before we do that, we got to take it way back, my man. We got to take it way back. You know how this interview goes. We are going to start this in Monrovia, Liberia, where you are from. Okay. Yes. Now, now this part, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna issue a trigger alert for some people here. Um, Fred's story is is incredible, and we're gonna be talking about some impactful stuff because I want you guys to understand the unconventional journey for leadership. Fred, you know what this show is about. This is about reaching at least one person out here listening to this podcast, thinking to themselves, "I'm not a leader," and reaching them and showing them that. Fred Banny did not have a conventional journey to leadership, right? That George Andriopoulos didn't have a conventional journey to leadership. Anybody that's been on this show so that they can hear our stories and go, wow, you know, if he can overcome that, maybe I can overcome my problem and and become a leader. And so we're going to start in Monrovia, Liberia, particularly Christmas Eve, 1989. You grew up in Liberia. Christmas Eve 1989, armed rebel forces began the first of two civil conflicts that would last in Liberia for 14 years, claiming the lives of over 600,000 people, and you were right in the middle of it. One night amidst the violence, the looting, the armed gunmen running around the cities, you and your family were home, and you heard a loud banging on your front door, and as you peeked out the curtain... They had machetes that they were dragging on the porch, dragging across the window bars. Your family all hid while they continued to pound on the door for over an hour. And as you said, by the grace of God, somehow they were not able to knock down that door. And you were able to escape to your grandfather's house, which was over an hour walk away. And really, at that time, the city became a war zone, right? Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wow. It's incredible, man. That was 1989, the latter part of the year into 1990 during the summer. So the, uh, the war has started in the northern region of the country. So we're in New York. So to kind of give you a geographic location, say, for example, it broke out in Buffalo. So you're in New York City or Long Island. You hear about everything. You can kind of feel the environment getting real tense, but it hasn't hit home yet. So it took six months for it to really come to the city where we, we resided. 
And that was one of the first encounter where literally, like, as you mentioned, you, you, you got, you know, men and young boys, even my age, younger, toting guns sometimes that were even bigger than them, you know, just going around looting and killing people senselessly. Unfortunately, even that story you told, uh, one of my, my cousins were actually outside and he wasn't able to make it back in the house. And, uh, you know, next day we found him dead in the swamp. So, but, um, that, that was, that was a moment that for me really showed, you know, uh, the protection and the grace of God. And then you realize like, oh, okay, this is not normal, but it was normal to a degree because this is all, you know, you don't, you didn't ask for it. Right. And so that, that was a defining moment in my life. I was five years old at the time. So, at, you know, at an age where, you know, kids are playing video games, learning how to ride bikes, I found myself and my family, you know, running for our lives, dodging bullets and, you know, a bunch of crazy stuff. But, you know, we made it through. Well, you know, what's interesting about that is we talk a lot about not just on, on this podcast, but in my leadership coaching class, the leadership experience, we talk about leadership theory and i love having conversations with people about it's almost the the which came first the chicken or the egg thing it's really are leaders born or are they made and i feel like i don't i didn't know you back then and of course the the child fred while all this was going on i feel like this is almost the superhero origin story you know that we see you know how the the accident that created the superhero the trauma that created the superhero and for you it was almost like leadership born in the fire, right? Because knowing you, knowing what you have committed yourself to going forward uh, and knowing you as, as the man that you are, the great man that you are and what you stand for now, it's really an example of a leader just being made based on you know being in the fire, being in the trenches. Uh, I want to talk about, if you're okay with it, a particular story that you've talked about uh, actually in your TEDx talk. You talked about how during all this unrest, while stray bullets were flying through the city, a stray bullet flew through a window in your house and pierced your aunt's leg. Can you talk about that that experience for a bit? Yeah, sure. So we were in the house, my grandfather's house. So this was, you know, a, a few days after we had left the situation you just mentioned where we had, you know, men, uh, you know, machetes banging on the door. And so it was at night. Everybody's hanging in the house. It's a war zone, like you said. You, it's like the 4th of July. The skies is lit up. You can hear, you know, gunshots just ringing out. And by the time you know it, you know, because we lived in the house that uh, portion of it were bricks, but then portion has zinc. So I, I don't know how it came to either through the window or through one of the, the, the zinc sidings. And it went through my auntie's leg. And I can literally, you actually speaking right now, like whenever like I tell that story, like I kind of like travel back in time, I can literally hear my mother and my auntie screaming emergency, emergency, because my auntie's entire leg was just covered with blood. And just supernaturally, my mother kind of picked my auntie up, put her on her shoulders, and we walked onto the main road looking for, you know, the ambulance or somebody with a car or pickup or something. And what felt like almost like 30 minutes walk, but it was literally like five hours walk. My mother taking my auntie, we running looking for help and she's drenched in blood. And as a young child, five years old, 
I still such a vivid picture and just even the cries I could still hear. And that was a defining moment as well, too. And luckily, my auntie, we were able to get to the hospital in time. They were able to get the bullet out of her leg. It was a clean, you know, uh, shot through. So she's fine. Thank God she wasn't injured or, or, or handicapped. But um, that, that was something where you realize, like, man, I'm so blessed because this entire situation could have turned out differently, right? Because having a family member in your in your family that becomes handicapped, it changes everything, right? And especially under those circumstances. So we were just grateful that, uh, and also too, along the path while trying to get her, get her to the hospital, now you're driving and you're seeing people literally shooting people down the streets. You know, you got 13-year-old young men, 9-year-old young men talking to people who are, you know, could be their grandfather, telling them to strip, you know, laying against the wall, robbing them, and then just shooting them dead. So you see all of this, and literally it's execution style, just line up people and just shoot, shoot them all dead. And just like, man, you know, at that time, I didn't have the language. It's a young kid, you can't really process it. Now, when I reflect, when I look back, and then you, obviously, you, you know some people who don't make it through. It's just like, God, like, why did I survive? And that's just one circumstance, a situation that, you know, I, I've had many encounters with death, you know, and I have survived. So for me, it just solidifies and just really anchor just my purpose and knowing why I'm here. And what it, and for me, like, like you said, impacting people, you know, this, this pursuit, this, this leadership journey, if you will. It's not a hobby. It's not a business. It's my life's work. It's who I am. You cannot, you know what I'm saying, separate me from it because it's much deeper. It's, it's in my core, right? Let me, let me ask you based on that situation because I want to look a little introspectively here, and this will really help people to understand not only you but just being able to look within ourselves in order to find that leadership. There's no way you came out of that situation, whether it was your your – aunt being shot in the leg or just the 11 years that out of the 14 years of civil unrest that you spent in Africa, there's no way you came out of that without some form of PTSD, right? Yo, that's the crazy part, bro. I tell you. Uh, so I came to the States when I was 15. And I remember talking to my father one day. I said, Dad, why you never asked me about, because my dad actually, as God had it, he left Liberia literally a week before everything went crazy. So he literally left on the last plane that left the city. So he didn't go through the Civil War, right? So fast forward while I'm here with him, and you know, one summer we're hanging out and I'm talking, it's like, Dad, why you never really asked me about my experiences in Liberia? And he... You know, he said to me, I didn't know if you're traumatized, so I didn't want to trigger anything. And then I said to him, if I were traumatized, wouldn't you want to know so you could get me some help before one day I just snapped? But I understand when I reflect back on that conversation, it's very sensitive. So he was in a predicament because I seem okay, I seem fine. So he didn't want to bring out any, like, you know, uh, triggering memories. But and again, this might sound cliche. Um, certainly, there 
you have to do your work, right? But for the most part, it's a miracle, bro. It's by the grace of God because let, I do not have trauma. And I tell people sometimes you can go through a traumatic situation and not be traumatized. Now, that's not everybody's reality. That is not the reality for everybody. I understand that. That's why I'm very empathetic and I work with people to try to reconcile, you know, those traumatic situations, experiences in their lives and kind of make sense of it and bring meaning and purpose for it, purpose to it. Because I believe nothing we go through in life is wasted, right? It all equips us, but it's all a matter of what perspective, what lens are you looking through it? Are you looking at it through an empowering lens where I survived this? Okay, what did this situation and event come into my life to teach me? Now, what can I extract from these situations to then pay it forward to help other people gain perspective. So that's because of everything that I've gone through. That's one of the things I, I believe one of my gift is just the gift of perspective. I, I can really look through a situation and kind of come from a comprehensive outlook from it. But yeah, I mean, I did my work, you know, prayer, you know, it, it sounds cliche, but prayer works and surrounding yourself with people who hold you accountable, people who challenge you, people like yourself who check on you, right? It wasn't easy. You know, because also the culture shift coming from Liberia, coming into coming to the United States at the time, I, I probably still do had action. You got to go through. So even beyond the situation that I went through, also to the teasing and people not understanding you in the United States and making jokes or oh, your African booty scratcher, all, all these little things, people asking dumb questions like, oh, do they have schools in Africa? Do people live in trees and stuff like that? So you realize like, wow. I didn't know people were that ignorant, right? <laughs> and I used to come home, so I tell my dad, I'm like, Dad, like, what's up with these people? You know, and he's like, you have to be witty. You have to, you know, bring them into your world, but in a way that challenges their viewpoints, right? And sometimes even put it to them where they might even feel a bit stupid, a bit dumb for asking a dumb question. Yeah. And once I had that conversation with them, it was fun because I used to have fun with them. Well, you know, it's interesting. I asked about the PTSD specifically, and I'm going to get into that other stuff you just spoke about too. But I asked about the PTSD specifically because, you know, sometimes people can go through it and just because of whether it's your upbringing or the, the person that you are, you can find a way through a, through a really enlightened way of thinking to now transform that that trauma into your purpose, your mission, right? And so I feel my opinion is that is that's what happened to you because, you know, we look at PTSD in, in, in a broad spectrum, but there's little tiny things. I remember, Fred, like when my grandmother passed away. My grandmother was, you know, my person. She lived with my parents uh, my whole life. She, she passed away unexpectedly. Um, this was actually just the, the 12th anniversary uh, this past April 29th. Unexpectedly, it was a total accident. She wound up like choking on a piece of bread and broke, you know, my dad actually broke her ribs, saving her life, giving her the Heimlich, and she lived another week or two uh, and just didn't want to eat because she was in pain and, and stuff like that and just wound up having a massive heart attack later on because of that. And I just remember driving to the hospital when everything went down my, my parents called me we're, we had to take her you know ambulance came she had a heart attack driving to the hospital and i remember getting to the hospital 
and just this yell I let out. It's almost like you can remember your mom screaming emergency. I let out this yell, and I punched a wall in the hospital. I had a lot of anger back then. I punched a hole in the hospital wall. And all I remember is then walking into the room with it was me and my cousins, and we were just crying over my grandmother, you know, there passed away. And the nurse comes in because my mom had called her, and my hand was completely like bloodied, cut up from punching the wall. And I had no idea. And I just remember being so angry, like pushing her away. I'm fine. I'm fine. Leave me alone. My hand's fine. And little moments like that, right, that you remember. And the, the, the PTSD that comes from that is when I hear the sound of my voice, if I ever get, because sometimes we, we get angry, we yell, whatever it is. If I let out one of those big yells, it brings me back to that moment. You know what I you, mean? You know what's crazy? Um, you're absolutely right as far as just channeling that that energy into something purposeful and meaningful, right? Um, I look at life like even if you were to uh, parallel it to your body. When you're younger and you work out a lot and you, 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 you take care of your health, because gradually and naturally as you grow, your muscles and everything starts to diminish a little bit, starts to deteriorate. But the rate of deterioration is slow if you have a strong foundation, right? If you were like an active person in your younger days, as opposed to just being, you know, someone who were very, you know, slobbish, for lack of a better term. So I think having a good background, a good foundation, that kind of helps you cultivate, you know, a perspective that serves you. When I... When, you know, hearing you talk and I look back, it's so funny because my wife and I, cause I love action movies. I love war movies, crazy enough. Um, so I guess maybe, and I, and I got to explore this a little bit more. Uh, I may be a little desensitized to murder, you know, because, and my wife is very sensitive. So when I'm watching these movies, she's like, she calls in, bang, bang, shoot them up. So she'll leave, the, she'll either leave the room or leave the, uh, leave the living room and go to another place to go watch another show. But it really doesn't move me anymore. So I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing or a bad thing. Um, I still feel the pain. I still feel, feel for the loss of life. But I can look at it and just like, wow, okay. Because when you come from an environment where you see mass graves and, and, and mass dead bodies. It does something to you. I was just having a conversation with somebody the other day, and just even during this pandemic, we're looking at my concern doing all of this, especially for the, the frontline workers. We haven't seen anything yet. The fallout, the aftermath, because the people who are working in the hospitals right now, and they are, they are, they are in work mode. Their adrenaline is rushing so high, so they're performing, they're doing the jobs. Come for winter, when hopefully by that time, you know, on the peak of this kind of dies down, they're going to crash. And I just pray that our, our government, our society provides the mental health services and everything that they need. Because when you are dealing with their bodies, taking their bodies by truckloads, it does something to you. Because you're going to find people just breaking down in the middle of the streets. Yeah, You're going to yeah. find people just crying for no reason because that's what trauma does to you. And, and people process it differently, you know. But once you do your work, you, do, you, you, you learn. And I've learned that, you know, 
life is about perspective, it's about meaning, right? So trouble happens. And I'm of the, the belief that you don't trivialize anybody's experience. And I often share with people, you don't have to have gone through 11 years of civil war to have a story that matters. You know, you may have, your story may be, listen, I didn't go through anything, but because of that, sometimes people think life is still easy. And it's not. Everybody have their own unique challenges, sure. right? So you just have to look at your unique challenge and extract from it purpose and meaning. And, and so having the ability to look at situations and realize like, okay, what does this mean for me? Is it the end or is it the beginning? Because the meaning that we give to things is either going to empower us to want to move forward or it's going to disempower us to say life is over, you know? But um, when I look at my life, and I real, for me at least, it's just like, wow, I survived. I went to Liberia 2018. It was 18 years since I left for the first time. And I still have friends back home. I, still, I have some friends who unfortunately are dead. And I often think and say, and say to myself, I survived. And not only did I survive, I'm thriving in life. My life is no better than theirs. So there has to be a reason. Like I said, I've had other encounters, you know, be a car accidents and, and what have you, literally where there's no way I should be here talking to you, yeah. you know, or at least not handicapped in a severe way. So it lets me know that, okay, I did not survive for just no reason. So that's why I'm very intentional about my life. I'm very intentional about, you know, the people that I surround myself with, because if you're not helping me grow, and you're not stretching me, you're not challenging me, you're not helping me to become better, then you're doing the opposite. Because the, the, the greatest commodity that we have is time. Absolutely. So how you, how you spend your time really is an indication of how you're spending your life. Because once your time expires, your life expires. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree with you 100%. And so moving on with, with the story of your life, you left Africa and came to the United, to the United States to live with your father along with your siblings. Um, you talked a little bit about what the culture was like when you came here and the conversation with you had, you had with your dad, which was so interesting to me, uh, and what the culture was like for somebody like you coming here, you know, and to, to your credit, what I found so interesting about you, and we're going to get into, to your mission in a little bit, but what I found so interesting about you is that, um, you've been able to really thrive, to come out of that situation and to have such a unique outlook, man. Like, I, I, you know, I love talking to you. We have our our, uh, our conversations on manhood and, and personal things all the time, which I appreciate so much. You know, you're one of my brothers that I could lean on for, for advice and vice versa. And so to come out of that situation and to come here to some trivial stuff that people were saying to you, which in the grand scheme of things, when you come from civil unrest and watching people being murdered on the streets right in front of you, bullets coming through your home, and to have you know, fellow students when you come to the United States ask you if Africans are living in trees and if you see giraffes right, right. on a daily basis, it's, it's yeah. silly. But yet you've come out with this mindset of just lifting others and helping to elevate others, which I appreciate so much in a leader, man, because 
you and I both share the same type of leadership, which is servant leadership, and we're going to get into that. Uh, but let's move on a little bit. You graduated from high school with honors. You enrolled in college, uh, and you you decided that you wanted to become a civil engineer with the goal to one day go back to Liberia and help to rebuild your nation. So I want to talk about that a little bit. Number one is in terms of enrolling in college, were you the first one in your family to go to college? No. No, you no. weren't. Okay. No. So, yeah, no. So, pretty, pretty much every degree you could think about from a high school graduate to a PhD level, I have that in my family. So, I, I, was, I wasn't the first one. No. Um, so, and I often say, you know, we're so blessed where I don't have to look beyond my doorsteps for role models. You know what I'm saying? And uh, my parents have set a really good image and model for us. But um, just the story you were talking about as far as those trivial, trivial remarks from people, man. I just realized, you know, people, sometimes people don't know. And I think that that situation or just that experience even helped me to really develop my level of empathy and, and just to understand people. Because oftentimes we want to be understood, but I cannot make you understand me if I don't see life through your eyes. One of the things my, my grandfather, who's now deceased, my, my mother's father, always taught us. He was an educator. And um, he said, always look at your life through the eyes of other people in the sense that you want to understand people because everybody have a unique experience and that experience has shaped their worldview. You know? And I realized even the students who were making those remarks, they knew nothing about Africa uh, they knew nothing about Liberia. The, the only information that they had was information that they see on TV and, you know, propaganda stuff. And they don't know of the beautiful civilization and, you know, the high-rise high building. Just the, the wonderful things about the continent. Now, not is there to say there is not poverty? Absolutely. There's poverty everywhere. There's poverty in, the great, in these great United States of America. There's places in the U.S. that has no running water, has no electricity, right? But they didn't know. And so I realized, okay, you don't know. So I could take two approaches, right? I have two approaches to at my disposal. I could be real snarky with you, or I could try to educate you. But now I will present you with that choice. If you still wanted to be ignorant, then because I really, really witty with my words, then I can make you seem like a fool in front of everybody else. But if you came and said, oh, wow, I didn't know. Then it became a learnable moment. And I often say learnable as opposed to teachable because then it puts the honest on us to decide, are we going to take this opportunity to learn what is being shared? Or because I could teach you something, you still decide, I don't want to learn it, right? So it became a learnable moment. And I built incredible relationships with that. And people got to know me. I got to know people. People would tell me, oh, wow, I did not know that. You know, I didn't know that they actually had schools in Africa. Because one of the questions I had, this girl walking from Spanish class, and she's like, you from Africa, how, do you, how are you the top in our Spanish class? Do they even have schools in Africa? Have you ever been to school? So I was like, no, I've never been to school. I was born a genius. I just came straight to the ninth grade. And she's like, really? And everybody's like, come on, are you serious? She's messing with you. But then, you know, as we walked throughout the hallway, I was able to, you know, just have a conversation with her. She was inquisitive, so I didn't mind. In another incident, I was very 
funny. I had a friend of mine whose girlfriend walked up to us and he introduced me. Oh, this is my this is my friend Fred. He's from Liberia, Africa. And I said, Hi, how are you? I'm Fred. She's like, No way, he's not. He speaks English. They don't speak English in Africa. So you have all these moments, right? <laughs> so it was funny. But then I realized how the, the depth of ignorance. And then because my thing is once you encounter me, I want to challenge you. I want to I want you to leave of feeling like you can go further, you can believe bigger, you are smarter, right? So then those in, those situations, I would just try to present it in a way where we can learn from one another and understand one another on a deeper level. Yeah, and, and I want to clarify something I said before, and, and it really, I want to clarify because I think it shows your level of enlightenment and I guess too, like the juxtaposition between your situation versus another person's situation. When I say trivial in those situations, somebody like you that has seen what you have seen, things yeah. people should never see, a situation like that is trivial, right? Because it just shows that somebody does not understand or they're not enlightened enough. But at the same time, that's something that other people, rightfully so, find very offensive and is very hurtful to them and is really the reality sometimes in this country for a person of color you know yep. somebody like ahmad arbery yes you know what i mean something mm -hmm. like that is not trivial it's to, not to a man that has been shot and killed for absolutely no reason by two completely ignorant human beings um and so and this is the reality that that people of color obviously face in this country which is a, a different situation than, than what you faced growing up. But, I mean, you take this stuff with such stride, man, and, and, and you, 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 know, you lead by example, and, and you're above it. And you'd rather educate somebody, as you said, educate them to understand where you're from, to understand you and your situation, rather than to take offense. And you look at them as somebody that just doesn't know yet until I show them. You know, that's, that's incredible. And that's, bro, that's leadership. That's, yeah. what, that's what, that's what we're, that's what we're about here. Um, no, you, you, you're absolutely right. And as you remember, my, the, uh, the title of my TED talk was how I turn my adversity into my advantage. You know, I often share with people that adversity is a good thing. It's actually your advantage in life. Right. But again, it all depends the lens through which you view it. You know, I was able to process those experiences through, through those, or through my lens, because, like you said, having survived all of that, and then I come and hear people say trivial stuff like that, is realize like, okay, you, your life experiences is very limited. I remember one experience I had in in high school. I was in English class, and uh, our teacher told us to to write about our lives. So I wrote a little bit about my story, and then she had us sit in the circle and wanted everybody to share. I didn't share. And at the end of, and this, I'm bring, I bring this up because it made an indelible impact on me. Because as much as I, I was sure about myself, my confidence, you're in a new environment, you're still trying to adjust, there's still a level of uncertainty that you experience. And I had action to people make fun of all of that. So my, uh, my English teacher said, at the end of the class, we all leave, and she's like, Fred, can you hang back for a second? I was like, sure. She's like, I was looking forward to you sharing. You You wrote such a, a beautiful paper. Why didn't you share it? I was like, I didn't want uh, my classmates to, to, to laugh at me because, you know, because of my action and everything. And she said, Fred, 
listen to me, listen to me real clear. She's like, listen, what you've experienced in your life, just like you just put it this way, the, the most simple thing, you've lived on two continents. Continent of Africa, you were born there and you've traveled to other countries and then you were in the United States. A lot of these kids in your class, they've never, never left New York or some have never left the United States. So never trivialize your experience. And, and when she said that, in that moment, I realized something. Everybody has an accent. It's just a matter of where you are. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? So then she's like, always, always be bold, always be expressive and, and just walk, walk in the confidence of who you are because you have a lot to offer to this world. And I took that to heart. And it really shaped, I was in 11th grade at the time. It really, no, I was, I was a sophomore. It really shaped my high school year, how I carried myself and how I participated. Because I would do great, you know, in class on my grades, but I really never raised my hand to participate in class because certain words, how I pronounced it was different properly, but just the, the enunciation was different than what, how Americans sure. pron pronounce it. But after that encounter with my teacher, I was just like, man, listen, no stopping me now. And, you know, so that was one of undeliable un impact. But you realize, like, you go through life, you have these experiences that really sparks moment of realization where it reaffirms, if not affirmed to you, who you are, your worth, and what it is that you have to contribute to other people. Yeah, and, and specifically what you mentioned here, these spark moments. I feel like you have such a great grasp of these moments in your life that have become pivotal moments that took you down a specific path. And it really takes an introspective man to do that, to look at these moments, especially while they're actually happening. It's very easy to look back and say, oh, yeah, that was important. But when you're in the moment, when you can live in the moment and really understand this is a critical moment right now, the, the next decision I make could effectively dictate how my life goes, oh, yeah. you know? And so uh, it, I think it's so incredible within your leadership that you've been so introspective to be able to recognize the, those moments. I want to I wanna talk for a minute about past school, right? You go okay. to school to become a civil engineer. And at this point, I think, is when you really put the machine in motion to become who you are today and who you're going to be in the future and create the change that you're going to create. You have a great quote on your website from Stephen Pressfield, who wrote The Legend of Bagger Vance, amazing book and movie too. Our job in this life is not to shape ourselves into some ideal we imagine we ought to be, but to find out who we already are and become it. What an incredible quote that is. This is... It really is very telling of you because this is the man that I know in you and this is what I have even discovered in my life. You know, some people are blinded by the transformation in life. They think that they need to transform from one thing to another and they think, they think that the starting point is not where they're supposed to be. But I have found, for me personally, and I don't know if this is a big secret in life to other people, but it's not at all about that. It's about discovering who you are already and then elevating that person. Absolutely. And so that's what I watch you do. And we'll, we'll talk in a little bit about conversations with Kings and get into all that. But you go out there and your whole deal is about mentoring 
people, especially men, to become their full potential. Yes, yes. To become your full potential, you have to start with who you are and then release that potential. Is that is that your mission in life, Fred? Absolutely, bro. Um, life is about becoming, right? We, we live in a culture that um, tell us we're not enough and we need the next gadget, we need the car, especially as men, you need the house to make you feel worthy. And as I mentioned, you always start with the end, right? An engineering principle, you know, so kind of retract. Came through the Civil War, we're gonna get past that. Come high school, uh, deciding, okay. And this is the impetus, this is, this is uh, the foundation of everything. To say, now I'm of age, I need to go to college. Now, what career path am I gonna take? And just as a joke, in a lot of African, Indian, and, and West Indies, or West Indies family, you have pretty, uh, your career choice is this: you're either an engineer, you're a doctor, you're a lawyer, you study finance, or you're a failure, right? So, and that's not true. I don't believe that, but I understand because when you think about society, you need those key things to have a function in society, at least just foundationally. Of course, and there's a level of job security in those in those um, professions. So I became of age, about to graduate high school. I said, okay, what am I going to do? And then I, I'm looking at my life experience because my, my experience in Liberia had a tremendous impact on me as, as we have gone over. And I thought, and I think you mentioned earlier, I want to go into a field where I can learn the skill sets to one day be able to go back home or wherever I find myself in the world, I want to be able to build, build society. And so I went into civil construction engineering, which is what I do now. And in that you realize that everything, if I'm gonna build something, it start, first starts with an idea, with a vision. You know, you draft the plans, the house, the building, the road is completed before you even start. Same thing. We are completed before we even start. God creates us in his image and our path is already set. Now we are born. So, okay, now walk that path. Now with free will, depends the choices that we make is going to either affect if we reach our destiny or not. Right. So that's that's uh, the main cross in that quote about becoming who you already are and not trying to figure out or to transform yourself into something. The acorn. The oak tree is in the acorn, but it just has to go through the process of development. You know, the reality of a huge oak tree is very real in that acorn. Same thing. Our lives are in seed form. Our leadership, we all have that leadership potential, but we have to go through the process of, of developing that and discovering that. And so life is about discovery. And once you realize that in yourself, man, okay, we all together if we put our minds together and we all arise to our higher selves, our society will be better, especially as men. That's why I have such a passion for men because it is, I love women. We cannot survive a day without women. You know, my, I'm better because of my wife. My wife makes me better. She elevates me in every area of my life. However, I do believe that men, we are the foundation. And the most important part of a structure is the foundation, right? So, a lot of the issues that we have in our communities, in our neighborhoods, 
and in, in our world at large globally is because we don't have men who are in the places. We have men who are mismanaging, you know, their their roles and their responsibility because they haven't really discovered who they are. And so now when, when the purpose of a thing is unknown, abusive is inevitable. You, now you're going to abuse it. So that that's pretty much what it is. It's about becoming, once you realize, like, okay, who can I help to help see that light? Like, yo, you are not broken. You have gone through some broken situations. But listen, come back to yourself because we've been miseducated. We've been, you know, it's a lot of, it's like a seed. You got a lot of dirt, everything you're buried. Now it's just about unlearning and then relearning until you come to the realization, oh, wow, I am enough. Now I just have to elevate and evolve into myself. I would be remiss if I didn't give people the secret sauce for for how you do all this. The LaunchCast is sponsored today by the Leadership Experience, a coaching masterclass. Intentional, unconventional, thoughtful leadership from keynote speaker, CEO, nonprofit board member, and TEDx executive producer, George Andriopoulos. Hey, it's me. Guys, the music's getting louder, which either means that this is a can't-miss epic course or that Fabrizio fell asleep at the controls again. This music is so damn loud, and that means it's going to be amazing, and that Fabrizio's pay is definitely getting docked this week. Join us, the Leadership EXP for details. You don't want to miss this. There's actually two components of it, and the first one I want to talk about is your faith. Uh, I know that you are a man of faith, and um, when we talk about leadership on this show, guys, you know, I think our audience knows that I respect everybody's beliefs um, and I respect their their right to 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 have a form of entertainment or a form of leadership that is free of religion and politics and all that stuff. But we have talked about religion on this show a few times. We even had a, a Greek Orthodox priest on here, uh, Doctor Demetri- uh, Father Demetrius Kazakis, that gave an incredible interview that really showed the side of faith that's more of a belief rather than the the belief in a, a single figure in, in in God, right? But I want to particularly talk to you about the idea of faith and what it has done for you. How did it come to play in your life? Because I know how strong a piece of your life faith is and what you've dedicated yourself to in terms of faith. You specifically said once, you don't know who you are until you know whose you are, right? right? And I think you're talking about, of course, being a man of God, that that this is where everything starts for you. So talk about that for a minute. Just talk about, you know, how did faith come into play in your life? You know, were you religious your whole life growing up? or And, and what kind of effect has that had on you in life? Yeah, my grandfather was a reverend. And so I, I grew up in the household of faith. And that that really shaped my beliefs and my upbringing, the principle, the principles that I ascribe to. And, you know, but you, you, as a kid, you go to church and sometimes you don't know why you're going. You're just going because it's Sunday morning and, you know, everybody in your house, that's, it's a routine. That's, that's what you do. You, you go, right. But as you grow and you become older, you have experiences for yourself where you realize like, okay, I'm not serving my grandfather's God. I'm not serving my mother's God. I'm not serving my father's God. I'm serving 
mind God because he has revealed himself to me in a way that there's nothing anybody could tell me about his existence, right? About God's existence. So life's, you know, life is about questions. And, and we're going to get into this lead, uh, later, but, you know, this form of leadership as far as just this very inquisitive and, and pulling out the wisdom and just the insight that is already within us. So it's who you are. Who am I? You know, why am I? You know, um, what can I do? Where am I going? And then the foundation to all of that is whose am I? Because like, like you mentioned, you, you cannot know who you are unless you know whose you are. And once you know, and it speaks about identity and it speaks about origin, you know. Um, I believe in creation. I believe we are all created. But, you know, I don't believe in, in the theory of, of, of evolution that we just came from nowhere. I believe we're created. We, we are the highest form of, of God's creation. And because God is the king and he's the father and he's the creator, I was made in his image and likeness. So that's why even when I say conversation with kings, I so funny enough, I am a king because my father, my heavenly father is the king. But two years ago, having a conversation with my grandfather, come to realize my actual great-grandfather was a king. So as far, yeah, so King Banny. So I have a spiritual lineage of, of, of kingship and a natural lineage of, of kingship, right? So when you realize that I, you know, I am a king, because I come from a king, my father is a king, you carry yourself differently. Because you know you're worthy, you're royalty. It affects your esteem. And so now what you do and how you show up in the world, you show up in a dignified way. And now it affects, okay, why am I? Like, what is my purpose in life? Because, you know, God doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't haphazardly do anything. I believe we are all a solution to a problem. He, he engineers things from, from, from the back end and then starts, right? So put it this way, like, all right, George or Fred. There is a problem within your generation that requires your unique ability, that requires you to be born. So you are that solution to that problem. So I'm going to equip you with the gifts, with the talents, with the abilities, with the perspective, the potential, so that when you are born into your generation, you can develop that so you can be able to respond to that problem. So that's purpose. So what can I do? It speaks about your potential because God is omnipotent, meaning he's all powerful, he's all potential. So if we may in his likeness, meaning we have the same characteristics. So we're just as creative as him. So now you have the ability to create. You have the ability to exercise power in, in, in certain aspects of, of your life and to do things, right? So now once you discover your potential, so where am I going? Where's my destiny? Now you always return to where you come from. You know, a, a tree comes from the soil. When the tree goes through its years and it decays, it goes back right into the soil. And also, too, you thrive in an environment from where, from where you come. Fish were created from the water. The best area of fish can survive, the only area it can survive is in water. So you have to know your environment. So once you know those, once, and that's the life overarching questions. That's the thing that keeps you up at night. And that's the thing that either... Have a person 
have a fulfilling life or somebody who is just meandering through life. And oftentimes, I don't think we give enough time to answer those questions because we are just caught about making a living and not necessarily making a life. So it, my, my faith shapes shapes my life. My worldview is is through faith. Everything that I do, I, you know, even in business, you know, I tell you, you cannot get the best of Fred if I'm not coming from the perspective from which my insight flow. You know what I'm saying? So if you're going to ask, oh, help me strategize, you know, with my life and do all of this stuff, my worldview is through the eyes of faith. And so that's how I see everything. And that's how I interpret everything. And that's what gives me the ability to, to, to empathize. That's what gives give me the ability to love because I know my, my heavenly father is loving. You know what I'm saying? So all those attributes that he has, I have it. So the whole process that we talk about in becoming, I'm becoming a reflection of him. Now, I'm not perfect. I have many flaws, but that's what keeps you humble. That's what keeps you grounded. And you know that apart from my connection to God, I'll be a nut. But because I'm connected to him, it keeps me grounded. Right. And so my, my, faith, my faith is everything for me. Right. Now, the other, the other half of your secret sauce, her name is Cordelia oh, yeah. Banny. Yes. 2015, you made what you call the second best decision of your life behind your faith, of course, right? And you married Cordelia Benny. And I know this woman, and you are a lucky man, and I've told you that before. Um, and if, oh, man, and for the podcast with the entertainment portion, if she was Liberian, she's not Liberian, right? Uh, she's Guinean. Oh, I'd be playing Liberian Girl by Michael Jackson right now <laughs> in the background. <laughs> Unfortunately, he didn't write Guyanese Girl. <laughs> Um, yeah, and, and I want you to talk about, just briefly, I want you to talk about how does your wife compliment you as a leader? A little bit later, we're going to talk about um, the balance portion of, of, of you and your partner. But I want to talk about how does she compliment you as a leader in terms of your mission and what you're trying to do? Wow. It's like, wow. It's just it. Incredible, incredible. My wife and I have, like I said, she's Guinean. She was born in Ghana. She came to the States, I think, when she was like one year oh, old. Oh, I didn't so. know that. I didn't know that. I thought she was born here. Yeah, so she came to the States when she was a baby. So I uh, lived in, in Maryland, came to New York for school. We met in church. Um, very, very, the reason why my wife is the best thing that's happened to me, you know, second to my faith. Everything that I do for men, she does for women. So she, when I say she, my, she's my purpose partner, it's not um, a cliche. It's, it's not a, a nice saying thing. So we, we flow very well together because we realize that our lives are not our own. And there's a greater purpose in our lives. It's all about service, about leadership, right? So she compliments me real well. She understands the demand, as you well know, to the demand of leadership when people pour pouring or pulling on you and also too it's just wonderful to be able to go back home when i'm depleted somebody who can pour into me and i could do that for her vice versa right. so her being on the same path as as uh as as me it it, it makes life um easier because i don't want to pin the picture that life uh we have a, a marriage or a life that is without challenges no for me i embrace challenge 
because challenge me, you're growing. So I don't run from challenges. Like, where's the challenge? I don't want easy life. So we do have, but the, the wonderful thing is just through this time, we've learned, we've learned one another. We've learned to communicate. We've learned to, to bring out the best, you know, within one another. So she, she's my everything, man. I'm a better man. I'm more patient. I'm more empathetic. I'm more understanding because of her. I'll tell you, if my, you know, we'll be having a conversation with people because sometimes I can be very um, short when I'm annoyed. You know, I'm sitting next to her, she'll just tap me. <laughs> That's like, okay, babe, slow down. Slow down a little bit, slow down. Or I could be very opinionated too, especially when I, because things I'm very passionate and convicted about, like I, I'm very open-minded because I share with people the most expensive thing you can have is a closed mind. But when it comes to things of principle, that I know is going to affect people in an adverse or in a positive way, and someone's really like playing around with it. Like I get really, you know, passionate about it, and uh, she's she's there to balance me, to censor me. So because of that, man, I've grown tremendously, even just in my awareness, you know, because we all have blind spots, and so certain things that I wasn't, certain character flaws that I wasn't aware of, and she brings to my attention. And that's the man I'll be honest with you. When it first started, I wasn't too thrilled about it. I just like, you know, you, you're, in, you're in denial, right? Yeah. But um, over time, you realize, like, oh, wow, okay. I do do that subconsciously. Yeah. But now it, it comes to, to your forefront. It's just like, wow, okay, thank you, babe, for bringing that to me. And then you start to grow in, in your character because you realize, like, no, this person wants the best for me. And uh, that's my writer, man. I love her. Yeah, absolutely. And so you, you guys have... have uh, as a partnership, you have built so many incredible things together. You you talked about how she does the same thing for women that you do for men. You guys started the Fred and Cordelia Banny Foundation. I want to save some of this for when you are in studio because you will be yeah. back in studio. And so we'll get a little deeper into the Fred and Cordelia Banny Foundation because, again, that story is still being written too. Yeah, you know, uh, it's yeah. still it's still in its infancy. I know you guys went to Liberia in 2018 and did some incredible work there. We'll get into that next time. But I want to jump into talking a little bit about Conversations with Kings. Now, this is a platform for the personal, social, and leadership development of boys and men. This is your passion, your life's work. I'll give a few of the taglines that are on the, on the website so people get a better understanding. At Conversations with Kings, we teach proven life principles, philosophies, perspectives necessary to help men understand kingship sharpen visions, and embrace personal responsibility. We are a community of purposeful and passionate men who are committed to moral excellence and are intentional about our growth and development as leaders of influence and impact within our families, communities, careers, and businesses. Our motto is that we are born boys, responsibilities make us men, choices make us kings we strive daily to walk in accountability and make choices in alignment with our values and visions that are worthy of kingship and of course something that you always say as iron sharpens iron so does one king sharpen another this is this is like fred banny if for you guys that have not met this incredible man, this is what he is about. That line right there, as iron sharpens iron, so does one king sharpen another. This is what this dude is about. It is about lifting others. And in turn, by the way, as servant leaders, we're not ignorant. 
we know that as we lift others, it helps to lift us, uh, us and to make us better. We are not just sharpening their iron. They are helping us in return. And that's what people sometimes don't understand in servant leadership, that it's a one-way street. No. We're getting just as much out of it as they are in self-fulfillment as servant leaders. And Fred and I operate in servant leadership in two totally different ways, but we intersect um, in so many ways, and that's what's that's what's exciting. Uh, I have had the pleasure of actually hosting uh, one session of conversations with Kings right here in the Launchpad Five One Six office, and I was a part of the conversation. And oh man, what a what an incredible um, what an incredible platform, you know, to just get men talking about the important things that we as men should be talking about. I'll. I'll, I'll jump into that in a, in a few minutes, but I'll, I'll give you a minute to just talk about conversations with Kings and and you know what it's about and what what it means to you. Two thousand and fourteen, right? Because conversation with Kings has evolved. It's an iteration of something. It's a, it's a purposeful work, like I said. Back in the day, you know, I had another platform that uh, it's called <laughs> my wife's last. I'm embarrassed to say this is going to laugh, but the, the, the acronym was BBTG, right? So it's like pretty much brothers bonding and growing together in, in God. So because I've always had this desire to bring men together and to sharpen one another. Um, I'm not the smartest guy in the room. I never seek to be the smartest guy in the room. I'm smart enough to know that a rising tide lifts all boats. And I'm smart enough to surround myself with people who can stretch me and to realize that we grow in community. We don't grow in isolation. So 2014, uh, having a conversation with a friend of mine who had just gotten engaged. And uh, this is actually the year 2016 because I had just gotten married. We just got engaged and planning the wedding. He's having some friction with his bride, with his bride-to-be. And he's like, bro, man, like, how you do it? So that was one relationship. And then having conversation with numerous guys who didn't know one another on different platforms in different circles. And I realized, bro, we are all going through the same thing. We all have the same aspirations, but we are suffering in silence because you sometimes we think that, oh, I'm the only one. And women don't have these issues because they're, they're more likely to converse with their friends, with their girlfriends, like, yo, girl, I'm, you know, I'm going through this, whatever. But as guys, I think because the ego or whatever the case may be, you don't want to feel less than, you know, we try to hold and try to like tough it through men, men through so having these conversations with all these brothers and I realized the civil line, like, yo, we are all on the same journey. So we need to be there for one another. And it just hit me, you know. And the brothers bonding and growing together, I'm just like, wow, okay. These are kings, because that's how I see you. That's how I see all my friends. These are kings. This is who, this is who we are. We, we are men of honor and dignity. We're looking to, to make lives better. Every area of influence you know, we, that we that we step in, we're looking to have an impact. So we're going to have these conversations that's real, that's raw, that's relevant, that pertains to life. Like, 
not just about just acquiring things, but how do we become better? How can I become a better father? How can I become a better husband? How can I become a better son? How can I become a better businessman? How can I elevate in my career? How can I increase my credit score? The things that are relevant to, to our yeah. lives. Yeah. So, and I had all these conversations. I was just like, why? And then it dawned on me. Why? Okay. Rising tides lift all boats. We grow exponentially when we are in community, kind of like a mastermind, because the, the mind of the group is, is, is more wiser than the individual part. So I'm like, rather than having these conversations individually, I'm going to create a platform and we all can come together and we can just uplift one another, challenge one another, hold one another accountable. And I'd start with kingship because everything comes with identity, right? Knowing who you are and having, because we all have different life experiences and not everybody come from the place where they have been reaffirmed and affirmed to, to really walk in that self-worth and self-esteem. So we start there. Now you are worthy. Yes, you may have made some mishaps and missteps in your past, and you may have dropped the ball. doesn't take away from who you are. You're still king. Now, you know better, you do better. And you have brothers who can lock arms with you and hold you accountable and help you get to your desired destined end. And so, you know, created the platform. And we have people from all stages of life, CEOs, ministers, VPs, and all of this stuff. And one of the things I love when I, you know, when we have our gatherings, it's just like, leave all your titles at the door. Yep, absolutely. We gather, we are men. That's what binds us together because we all have similar struggles and similar challenges. And I cannot pour into you when you're using, and you cannot pour into me when you hold on to your title. Because leadership is not about title. Leadership, like we said, is about impact and influence, right? And if I am going to impact somebody's life, they have to be able to see me. I have to be able to see them. Meaning your real self, who you are. So that's what Conversation with Kings is about. And the tagline that we are born boys, responsibility makes us men, and choices makes us kings. It speaks to evolution. Boy, that's your gender, that's your sex, that's who you are. Now... As you grow up and you start handling your responsibility, that makes you a man. You know, you're responsible, you're handling your business. Now, king is the highest status. That's choices. That, that means it's your will. You have to decide. Every day, I'm going to make the right choice. Every day, I'm going to make the hard, the hard choice if it's the right choice, right? And so that's what separates kings, I believe, from, from, from men and boys. Now, Staying at the level of men, it's not bad because you've still been a responsible citizen. But at the end of the day, living that choice about living with intentionality, right? Living that intentional life, that's really separates you because you realize, like, I'm going to choose to show up at a higher level. I'm going to choose to forgive someone who did me dirty. I'm going to choose to forgive someone who spitefully hurt me because I know it's not good for me. And I know by me forgiving them, it free us room for my creativity. And for me to take that energy and to pour into my family, to pour into my business, and also to be an example for other brothers that say, like, listen, man, we all fall short. We all make mistakes, but we can reconcile, you know? So that's that's what it's about. Yeah, man. Uh, I, I love what you do with this so much. Uh, having not only experienced the 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 brotherhood and the and the, the kingship that you bring together in in these meetings but also seeing this community act in a professional way you know i've seen what some of your conversation with king community has done we're working with 
you know, uh, Long Island Entrepreneurship Conference, LIEC. Um, I've seen them at networking meetings, people that have reached out to me just to just to say, hey, you know, how can I help you, brother? And and go and I'm I'm the same thing. It's uh, how can I help you? I mean, that's what servant leadership is about. And and what I love about it is that there's no barriers, right? Because we, we have to address the fact that some people may see a yeah. racial barrier in that. And it, there's not. You know what I mean? You and I have talked about this so many times. Brothers, man, forever. Oh, yeah, absolutely, bro. Listen, um, I love my heritage. I'm black through and through. Yep. I, was, I come from the soil. I come from where the blackest of black people come from, right? So I love my heritage. And listen, we have to embrace our differences. That's what makes us unique. This whole idea of people say, I don't see color. That's a lie. You do see color. Because when you get to, the, to a stoplight, you see if it's red, yellow, or green. You're not running you know, a stoplight when it's red. You say, I don't see color. You do see color. The problem is, how do you react? Do you have your biases, right? And sometimes, because racism, as we know, and you know, study has shown, you're not born a racist. You're you're taught a racist. You you know that's something that's learned. But once you come to that awareness, you realize, in my opinion, first of all, my greatest heritage is is, is my heavenly heritage, my heavenly lineage. I love my culture, my black culture, my African culture. I stand and I and I ride for it, but I also have tremendous relationship and good friends like you. Listen, I treat people on an individual basis. Now, I understand the systemic situation and institutionalized, you know, conversation, the macro conversation when we speak about racism and, and just everything that starts to uh, uh, the divisor, right? But I have people like you who, like the, the one of the last conversations we've had it was probably one of the most transparent conversations I've had with anybody, yep. color or not. You know what I'm saying? But because I know your heart, and I see you, I see your brother. Mm-hmm. I, I see, I, I celebrate your, your, your Greek heritage because that's what makes you unique. It's like when we try to take away that, we strip a part of who we are, our identity, right? So being the king is not about, it's not about color. It's about dignity. It's about character. Like, as a man, who, what do you stand for, right? And, and like, how do you want to leave this world? What impact do you want to leave in this world? Because when you look at kings, king has a dominion, but it's not about dominating. It's really about influence. It's about you making things better. It's about you taking care of people within your sphere of, of, of influence. Everything you touch, does it grow or does it diminish? You know, Liz um, Wiseman has an incredible book speaking about leadership called Multipliers, right? And there's two, in the book she talks about there's two forms of leadership. You have the multipliers and you have the diminishers. Multipliers are people who look to draw out the best in other people, look to help them see that they can go further. And those are those are leaders that's not caught up on titles. You know what I'm saying? As opposed to diminishers, like I want to be the guy. I want to be the one who gets all the credit. And that's not leadership, that's not kingship. That's somebody who's very egotistic. And I don't want to be around people like that because I want people, I want to be around people who inspire me to grow like you. I want to be around people who challenge me because I for sure like Fred, listen, no, how you reacted in that situation wasn't becoming. Thank you. Because I tell all my friends, 
if I make a misstep and you are in this and you are in the vicinity and you don't hold me accountable, hold me accountable. Yep. You don't hold me accountable. We're going to have a, com a situation. We're going to have a conversation about that because we don't tolerate that because excellent. Like I said, it's a standard and, and we have fun. You, you have fun together. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. So, yeah. So that's what it's about. It's not about race at all. I want to talk to the audience about, you know, opening your mind up and I'm not, I'm not talking about race or anything like that. I'm talking about opening your mind up to new experiences, new groups, new situations, new people. When you're in this kind of mindset of growth, I'll tell you the story of how Fred and I met quickly. So it was February 10th, 2018. Fred and I were both at TEDx Deer Park. This was our first TEDx, Deer, uh, TEDx experience for both of us and both watch each other's talks. Fred's talk was incredible. I remember being in the audience because I was done and I got to sit and enjoy the rest of it. And Fred had an incredible talk. And I wound up through Fred also meeting our, our good friend Wayne Thompson, who was one of the, uh, uh, the organizers of LIEC. And so Wayne had reached out because he wanted me to be a speaker on uh, an entrepreneurship roundtable at LIEC. During that time, I got to know Fred better. I got to know Wayne better. And what has that led to? Just through that experience of, of opening ourselves up to, to meeting each other and, and getting to know each other better. I mean, first of all, brothers, right? Um, you know, lifting each other up as men, uh, forming not only closer, you know, personal relationships, but business relationships. You know, you and Wayne and your wives were both in my 40th surprise party, which was incredible. Incredible. Um, you know, being able to to experience this kinship with each other and to help introduce ideas to make this world better. That to me is just so important to have more people in the tribe right now. Anytime I need, whether it's a personal thing, a professional thing, you guys are part of that tribe that I lean on right away. I call you Fred. I got an idea, brother. Yeah. What do you yeah. think? You know? Um, and so to me, that's so important, especially when you're in a room of, of like-minded people, when you not only help to lift each other up as brothers, as men, right, but you help to, to create a culture of lifting others. That, to me, is the most important thing in terms of servant leadership. You use a quote by Dr. King, and I think this was in one of your talks, everyone can be great because everyone can serve. We all have that ability to be servant leaders. I talk about in my in my leadership course the the different levels of leadership. There's transformational leadership, there's servant leadership, um, there's strength based leadership, and so when you when you have even a bit of servant leadership in you, because we all have that ability, and even if you have a different strength within leadership, the ability to serve others is the basis of creating change. And so, you know, that's that's one of the things that I respect about you the most. And I'm, and I'm so happy that you came into my circle and became part of my tribe and, you know, even have this opportunity to talk more like we do. You talked about it already. We have personal conversations about the most personal things that two men can talk about. And that's important, you know, to be able to, to talk to somebody else as a brother just to share that, you know. Absolutely, bro. And the sentiment is mutual. Definitely. I'm grateful. Grateful for you. My wife and I are grateful for you, you and your wife and your, your entire family. And I, I love your mom. Your, your, your family, man, is dope. Your mom. <laughs> she listens you. to this every Monday. She's going to flip when she hears that. <laughs> I love your mom. My energy is in, it's infectious. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful soul. 
Love her. This is what she's going to text me. Every Monday morning, she texts me after she listens to the show and yeah. gives me her opinion. This is what she's going to text um, me. Oh, I'm, my God, Fred. I love it. She always says, I love Fred. I love Fred so much. So let, let me tell you for you guys who are listening. So I met mom the first time. It was at a Christmas party at, at uh, Lunch Bell 516. Hit it all right away. It's just all open or just warm and just loving, you know, person, personality, infectious uh, um, energy. And... She's like, you should come over to the house. You don't got to tell George. Now, I cook. I just said, Mom, you know what? I might just come over. I might just. <laughs> She's like, listen, you have an open invitation. So, and it speaks. And, bro, and I think that's where we hit it off because, again, like I said before, from whence we come, right? You have been so influenced by your parents because that's where we come from. We are influenced by our parents in our lives with their presence or their absence. You know, hopefully we pray that. They are present and, you know, the good traits that they have within them, we can adapt that into our lives and we can look to build upon it. Right. And a lot of that, even your your open heart, your, your genuineness, you know, you can see you can see the personality. You can see the similarities, as you say. So, yeah. it, you know, it's just wonderful to, to be connected with you, brother. And it's amazing. I appreciate that, brother. I'm going to talk about one more thing real quick and then we're going to wrap it up and jump into the big three. Um, I want to talk about balance for a minute. Now, you talked about your wife before, and I think we really got into all this, but I want it more as like a one-sentence statement to kind of wrap this in a bow. Balance, for me, I've talked about this so much on the show. I teach this in the leadership experience, the balance phenomenon. The balance phenomenon is when you realize that when you bring everything together in your life rather than compartmentalizing everything, that it makes you better at everything you do. When I had that moment when success started again and success started in my business, in my charitable endeavors, in my personal life, in my life as a father, when all of those things were firing on all cylinders and I started feeling stretched a little bit because I had to be so many things for so many people. I made this realization one day that if I just make sure that I'm that same man throughout all of those things, you know, we talked about discovering who you really are, it brings balance to you immediately and it makes you a better father, a better husband, a better business owner, a better servant leader to others. And I will, I, I say this over and over again. What helped bring that balance to my life for me was my wife having a partner in life that completely understands what you need as a man in terms of being a king, being a man, being some the 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 man that leads the family. And I don't say this in a sexist way for those uh, incredible ladies that are that are listening that um, that that could run circles around us. At right. times, right? Absolutely. This is about this is about an innate thing inside of us that as as the 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 men in a family that we have this reflex that we need to protect and and lead and to have a, a partner that supports that and in turn that I can support as that way uh, in that same way as the strong female as the female leader it, it changed everything for me. Right, and so I know you have that in in your partner, in your wife Cordelia. Do you have balance in your life right now? 
do I have balance? Yes. Yes and no. So this might be a bit contrary to to what balance in the sense that I have integration in my life, right? So life is about integration and this really talks about integrity. So my wife keeps me accountable. She keeps me walking in integrity. Now, when you say balance from the perspective of life work balance, I believe balance does not exist. You know, because even when you're walking, you are never at a balance unless you're standing still in one position. Whenever you take a step forward, you're, you're out of balance. So life is really about balance. It's, it's, it's about prioritizing, right? So there are seasons in life where you might be more focused in one area. Say, for example, in your business, and that might require more time uh, of you than, say, your family. But if you build a life where it's well integrated and there's a, there's communication in your life, right, then everybody's on the same, spa- same page. Then your wife or your family understands, okay, daddy or husband's going to be gone for a little bit longer than normal because this season requires more attention in this area. But then you also come back. Like you take the left, left foot forward, you bring back the right foot forward. After that season's over, and you come back and you take care of home, you take care of your family, the place that you were out of priority, that was, that was within a lesser priority yeah. now. So you don't abdicate that responsibility. You come and you bring your full self and your full energy. The myth that there is my work life and my personal life doesn't exist. Wherever you are, there you are. Right. Right. I know executives and I know of and I've heard of other executives who would not do business with people who are not in committed relationships because they say you don't understand commitment. So yeah. when we come to business, I can really trust and depend on you. And if you're cheating on your wife or your or your significant other, you might cheat the company, you might cheat the business. So it speaks to your character, it speaks to your integrity. Right. Right. So I absolutely have balance in my life in the form of integration, but there are other areas in my life that at times take more focus, and I'm that's what communication is the key. So I'm right. grateful to have a wife who's understanding, and she balances me out in that position. So when I'm demanding here more, she over this way she stands on the skills to kind of bring a balance. So it's a team effort, absolutely. Yeah. I think that wraps up everything that I wanted to talk to you about for this segment. And, of course, you will be back in studio if that's cool with you, brother. Of course, man. O- open invitation. Absolutely. When- yeah, I'm there. I appreciate you. <laughs> that means it's time for the big three. The big three from the launch cast. The big three is, if I know you're familiar, Fred, but the big three is where I'm going to give you a couple of topics. You are going to give me your top three quick, concise answers for each to better get a better understanding of who you are as a leader and some fun stuff. All right, you ready? Sure, let's do it. All right. Big three, first one, top three guilty pleasures. Cheesecake, cheesecake, cheesecake. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. All right, top three words. This is individual words. Top three words surrounding the purpose of men, specifically what you try to do with conversations with kings? Identity, vision, accountability. Top three male leaders, I'm going to say right now, not of all time. Top three male leaders right now. 
Alive or deceased? I'm going to say alive because that's a whole different talk. <laughs> right. <laughs> Top three male leaders alive. Um, President Obama, love, very, very empathetic. Um, wow. John Maxwell, love him. And I'm Pastor, Pastor Price. I know Pastor Price personally. Very good man. Top three female leaders right now. My wife. Wow. That's a good one. Well, I bring it home. My wife, my mother, because, hey, she's impacted me in a tremendous way, right? Yeah. And, um, so, cause, and again, I know just top three, and I hate to give a commentary on this, but I will. Because oftentimes when we think about leaders, we look outside and, like, public, public figures, right? The reason why I say that's a tough one, because I'm more concerned about people who impact to me right away yeah. and people who also make an impact in the world too so absolutely yeah yeah last one top three goals in life top three goals in life want to be wealthy certainly and now wealth is very subjective right for the reason why because i want to be able to create opportunities for other people um love god serve people incredible incredible my man i'm gonna hop real quick i'm gonna take you off camera because we're gonna do the spark moment of the week and then i'll bring you back on guys the spark moment of the the week this week and we're gonna keep in the theme here with conversations with kings with what fred is about we're gonna talk about the responsibility of men this for me is such an important topic and i want to actually issue a challenge along with the spark moment of the week because i know there are people that are going to disagree with me i actually wanted to get into a deeper conversation with fred today and for purposes of time i don't want to do it right now because i'd rather do a whole show about this so i challenge men out there opinionated men i challenge you to come on to the show and let's do a round table on this discussion because it's too important. And who am I challenging out there right now? The responsibility of men to me is something that I have learned so much about in recent years, particularly when I talk about when I mentioned before how I mentioned the first 30 years of my life, I was an average citizen of this planet at best. I was not living up to my potential as a man during that time. What do I mean as a man? As a husband, as a father, as a business owner, as just a, a, a human being in this world. And so when I realized, and again, this is not meant in a sexist way, but I, when I realized the responsibility of being a man within a family, within the world, the responsibilities of not only what we should be doing as men, but what we shouldn't be doing as men. As proven in recent years and, and all the stuff that's been going on um, in, in the public world and media that we've seen, especially in the public, people in the public eye. And so I want to challenge people out there to have a conversation with me about this. I value the respons responsibility of being a man so much so now that I understand what that really means to me. I don't know if I could go into a whole diatribe right now about what that means because it's too lengthy 
of a definition to me. But I know that when I am doing my best to live to my full potential as a father, as a husband, as a servant leader, as a humanitarian, as a business owner, as a boss, as a neighbor, to me, living that full potential as a man, leading as much as I can, allowing others to lead me as much as I can, respecting the women in my life as much as I can, allowing them to teach me the things that they know that I don't know. That to me is a well-rounded man. And I feel that there are leaders out there that take a different view on this. And I invite you to have a conversation with me. Because I'm telling you right now, there's going to be a spark moment in that for all of us where we can all come away from the conversation learning something. And so it's a little bit of a different spark moment of the week this week, but I think it's important to have these conversations as proven by our man here, Fred. And I'm going to bring Fred back on camera for this now as I wrap up that little diatribe. But we need to have these conversations, right? I agree. It is absolutely necessary to have these conversations to to hook up with with men like Fred who can help to not just teach us things and lead us but to connect to connect other men who are willing to have these conversations in order to create a better place a better place to live for us for our loved ones for our children um and so Fred uh in the show notes, I'm going to put all your links. We'll put Conversations with Kings. We'll put your TEDx talk. We'll put everything on there. Um, I want to thank you so much for being here today, my man. I'm going to do this. This is what it, this, this means we did it. This was, this was, again, another one of my favorite interviews. The more we go, the more favorite interviews I have. Uh, I loved having, having you on here, brother. I love you, man. You know that. It was my joy being on here, bro. Thank you. Like I said, this whole COVID situation is my first time being on camera in a while and just having a conversation with another brother. And um, so, you know, it, it's been a joy. And I'm looking forward to even if, if, if I can say actually next next Saturday, we're going to be having a virtual gathering conversation with King. So um, it's, it's going to be one of our first probably this year because of the whole everything that's been happening. But um. And I just realized during these times, it's, it's really needed. We need to be connected. And uh, you're doing a fantastic job. Congratulations on all your success with the podcast. And uh, I'm just honored to be here. Thank you, brother. And, and also, and I forgot to mention this, I, I want to say how, how happy I am to see you back up and about and at full strength. Uh, I didn't mention before, but Fred actually had COVID-19 um, and was a little sick. But he, he is back now. He's recovered. Right. Man, back. full strength again going to be yes. getting a, a tight fade soon when this is all over. Maybe yeah. I'll come over and give him a fade since I'm so yeah. skilled. <laughs> Listen, you look, yo, bro, you look good. I don't know how you did it. If you could do that level on yourself, I'm sure you could do it better on, on me. <laughs> look at my son. That's that's my that's my model every time. That, that's who I've been giving haircuts to for years. That's how I learned how to do this. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. All right, brother. Thank you for being here, guys. Catch this episode. This is going live. If you're listening, that means you're listening to it live every single Monday morning, 6 a.m. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, iHeart. Tune in. You know the drill, guys. Thank you for being here. We'll see you next time. Launch sequence terminated. Into the black hole.
Thanks for listening to the LaunchCast today. Please make sure to subscribe to this feed wherever podcasts are available. Follow me, George Andriopoulos, at Launchpad CEO on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. And make sure to visit our website, guys, thelaunchcast.com. Looking forward to the next episode. See you soon, guys.